everybody, welcome into New England Ski Journal Base Camp Podcast. Gunstock Mountain Resort is now open for the winter. Enjoy top-to-bottom skiing and riding, and remember to take a moment to stop and take in that iconic view from the summit. Check out our tubing hill for thrills and laughs. Night sessions have begun as well, including the most lit terrain in all of New England. Book your lift tickets, rentals, and tubing online in advance. Check out our upcoming events at gunstock.com. Embrace the chill this winter at Gunstock. I'm Eric Wilbur. I am co-host of the Base Camp Podcast along with Mike Speechin. Mike, hello. How are you? Good afternoon, Eric. What a great day it is. <laughs> well, the West is getting the snow. We are not. It's, I understand. It's tough. It's it's really tough. And, and look, last weekend was supposed to be, we were going to take a couple days up north, me and the kids, and ski before we flew down to... Virginia for the for the New Year's holiday and we didn't go because it's we didn't know what to expect and 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 the 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 warming trend came and the melting and then the rain and then it's I mean I mean you live in in New Hampshire so you are closer to it than than we are and this is not a a case of someone from Massachusetts looking out their backyard and expecting the ski area to look like that can you tell us what it's been like in New Hampshire for you well, <laughs> we we had a week of greatness. Yeah. A week. It's been a, a very frustrating start to this ski season. It just seems like the moisture that we're getting is coming up out of the Gulf, not coming from the Western Great Lakes. Temperature has been warm, but, you know, ski season's still ahead of us. The best skiing, as we've been stating all along in this base camp, is later in the year. Yeah. We've got a we can make it all up. November, we're never the best ski times of year in New England. I, In fact, I was at the Ski New Hampshire event this year with Jessica Keeler, who we had on the show. Of course. The person that got up and spoke gave a vibrant speech because we're in this state at that point also. His name is Tim Smith. He's the GM of Waterville Valley. Mm-hmm. And the optimism that came from him about what we were dealing with weather-wise was amazing. We're snow farmers. Nobody ever said we're going to get snow every year. We've got to be optimistic. We've got to embrace what nature gives us. And that's what we're going to do. I recall a conversation I had with a friend of mine at a, we were tailgating for the Patriots game in early November against the Colts. And I was tailgating in shorts as one is not normally used, used to doing at a football game in November in New England. And we had the discussion, like, everything about global warming, and but his take on it was that everything seems to be a month later now. So while I shouldn't be wearing shorts at a football game in early November, would I wear them in early October? Possibly. If the winter season doesn't necessarily begin in December anymore, does it begin in January? Well, possibly then you've got the January thaw and you can rack your brain 16 different ways about excuse this and excuse that. The reality is, is we can't control it and the ski areas can do their best to control it by making snow themselves. At at some level, though, when it's 50 degrees out every single day for a stretch of seven or eight days, that becomes more and more difficult to do. So it's been challenging for the ski areas and and the, the forecast I think everyone is kind of itching and looking out west and seeing all these legendary dumps that they're getting. Hearing the words interlodge is always something I'm, I'm kind of jealous about, about because I'd actually like to experience that. 
it's it, it's remarkable to see the snow that they're getting out west that's just not making it to the east. I mean, Jackson Hole that we had on this broadcast earlier, 200 inches already. Unbelievable. It's, it's crazy, but they need that moisture for drought purposes. And we need moisture because we're in a drought situation, which I'm going to take the silver lining to this whole thing. At least we're all out of the drought situation here in the Northeast at the moment. Right. Well, in any case, it is ski season and, and there is still skiing to be done, but it is kind of heartbreaking when you see some of the, the, the lesser skied places have to close and, and announce like, we're not sure about the weekend. Black Mountain in particular, early this week was like closing Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll update you with further details. But the warmth and the rain, it just, it, it doesn't help anything. But I, I, I do want to kind of get away from all that dourness because it is as quick of, of a snap of the fingers, right? That, that we could be seeing that storm. So next week, shows temperatures dropping, snowmaking will resume. Does that mean another storm's around the corner? Who knows? It's part of the fun of winter as skiers to try and track these things. And when they do come, just cherishing them. It was just about a year ago, last, I mean, last year on January 7th, that we had a big storm here that came out of the blue in the, in the few days. And, and so I, I remember that vividly because, one, it's my birthday. But two, it was just this sort of storm that after such a slow start, we got something and then again, we had another warming trend. So it's up and down every single year. But you brought up Tim Smith from Waterville Valley. Waterville is doing some big things right now. They are. They've got, a, they're in motion. Mm-hmm. Waterville was sort of the same old, same old for an awful long time. Now they're on the charge. They're moving forward. The new lift, I actually rode it mm-hmm. about a week and a half ago, was amazed. I got 12 runs in in three hours. Oh, my God. Just And I wasn't, I wasn't laying them out. I was just enjoying the view and everything around it. So Waterville is, is happening, and there's so much history there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the Tecumseh Express is the new uh, six-person detachable that they have there. W- one of the only of its, of its kind. We're, we're going to have Tim Smith on later in the show. We'll have him tell us a little bit about the lift and, and what makes it so unique in New England. But yeah, you bring up the history. This is the birthplace of freestyle skiing. And if you haven't seen it, there's a documentary called The, the, Dog, the Dog Days of Winter. Is that it? I think it's The Dog Days of Winter. And it's about the freestyle movement of the of the seventh early seventies, and obviously a large chunk of that is dedicated at Waterville Valley, where names like Wayne Wong were 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 not always were competing there and and bringing a a face of skiing to this New Hampshire resort. Yes, the days of Wayne Wong. There are Waterville created that freestyle movement back in the days of i'm going to date myself again because i was on them at one point yeah. ballet skis oh my oh my <laughs> exactly nothing like an olin ballet with a pair of spademans on them some of the good stuff but waterville just created that movement and they took it from there and then brought the World Cup in. Yep. So we all think about the Killington World Cup now is going, wow, this is great. Well, Waterville had both men and women there at one point, I believe. Mm-hmm. And obviously Tom Cochran, he's a, a, a legend in, in New England skiing. 
I don't want to put you on the spot, but can you can you tell the audience a little bit about what Tom Cochran meant to Waterville Valley and the sport of skiing? Tom, an ex World Cup skier, just an amazing, charismatic man that looked at Waterville, the Waterville area, that little box canyon of sort, and just created an incredible, incredible, vibrant area. At one point, Waterville was the spot to be up and down 93. It's where people wanted to be. They were busy. They were holding events such as the American Airlines Skiing Classic was there at one point, I believe. I remember in 1990, I was in Canada on a high school ski trip. I think we went to Mount Orford. And my, the rest of my family, my, my mom and my dad, and my sister and my baby brother went to Waterville Valley for what was the Krista McAuliffe Invitational. And I came back from Canada all jazzed up, right? But it was nothing compared to my sister and my parents who spent the weekend with Bob Lobel and uh, Buzz Aldrin. And, and it was like this, this amazing thing that they got to experience at Waterville Valley. And I think that those sorts of events happen so many times at Waterville that it does sort of helped define it in, in its place in, in skiing history and being at the forefront of like freestyle skiing and, and knowing what the future might hold. Yeah, they, he was a visionary, mm -hmm. total visionary. I mean, BBTS, the racing program up there is one of the oldest ski clubs in the U.S. It sort of tells you the vision that Tom had for this area, for skiing in New England and what he brought. I mean... There is, there is a fairly well-known skier that came out of there called Her Hannah Kearney yep. that put her mark on the world and shows what Waterville brings to the marketplace. Matt Boxler did a, a great piece in last, last month's issue of New England Ski Journal in December about how Waterville is on the verge of a new era. And this, this new lift is only part of that development. It's, it's, it, it's part of... It, this lift is only part of that development. It's, it's part of a comprehensive 10-year master plan developed in partnership with the U.S. Forest Service and made available to the public in 2020. The plan, quote-unquote, outlines ambitious capital improvements over the next decade, including a resort boundary extension that will create 140 additional acres of skiable terrain on 15 new trails and glades on the south side of Green Peak Summit. But I think the most remarkable part that they're doing here is they're doing a new gondola, I, I believe it will be a chon, into Town Square, which to me says that this little Waterville Valley town that gets overlooked as a ski village destination, we have Killington, we have North Conway, we have Stowe, Waterville Valley doesn't get mentioned in the same breath of them because there's really no big connection there. This gondola seems like that's going to do something huge for Waterville Valley and how it's perceived as a ski town place to be yeah it's going to actually be a town it was always always frustrating at events up there having to hop in the car or taking the shuttle down to the village being able to actually stay down in that village and just hop on this gondola is going to be incredible yeah somewhere near town squares where the base terminal will be an eight-person chon carrying skiers and riders to a mid-station located at the base of the newly developed skiing area. The gondola's mid-station at the new base area will house lodge facilities, parking and event, and ski school space. From there, guests will have the option to continue their journey to the summit of Green Peak. That truly does, in, in total, the gondola line will span some 9,000 linear feet and 1,400 feet of vertical. 
operating year-round. Again, transforming the entire mountain, it's, it's remarkable that a place with such history is at, on, a, on a precipice of a completely new era. Waterville Valley is an easy place to get to. It's a, in my estimation, I think is underrated terrain. And when it snows, it's, it's I mean, everywhere's the place to go when, when it snows. So yes, I don't want to simplify it that badly. But when it snows, it's a real fun place to be. Well, before we get to our guest, Eric, I want to read you something that I pulled up from Tom Corcoran. It says, when we flew over Waterville Valley, all the bells went off in my mind. It was exactly what I was looking for. From the air, it was obvious how it should be laid out, and I could see its potential for great skiing. Tom Cochran, Waterville Valley Resort founder. Tremendous. Tremendous find. Yeah, Waterville is, it, it's, it's got an, a legacy. It's, it's got a history, and it's got a future. It, it's quite the place that's very lively, and we didn't even mention that it's, it's part of the Indy Pass program, which I think is, Waterville doesn't seem like a place that needs more traffic, and yet here they are with a, a whole new client base with the Indy Pass. This is the, I believe it's the third year they're under that pass system. Yes, it is. Well, we have two guests today. Husband and wife. This we, is going to be fun. We do. Coming up next on Basecamp Podcast, we will have Tim Smith, the president and general manager of Waterville Valley, and his wife, Katie, the director of accounting. We will have them right after this. Get ready to winter like you mean it. Make tracks to Stratton for a big mountain experience with corduroy cruisers, tree-lined trails, new terrain parks, miles of glades, all with snow so great it's guaranteed. Book your lodging at the heart of the resort and discover everything you love about winter is right outside your door. Like snow tubing, snowmobile tours, snowshoe treks, cross-country skiing. Then there's Stratton Village for shopping, dining, après, and late nights. Stratton.com to save on lift tickets and lodging packages. Great Glen Trails Outdoor Center is your one-stop adventure destination this winter. No lift lines, just great grooming and magical vistas. Classic snow tubing hill with hot cocoa and s'mores on the weekends. Try a guided snow coach tour. Grab your reservation to Treeline on Mount Washington. Private and group lessons for skiers of all ages and all abilities. Evening snowshoe tours and so much more. Check the website for booking options and details as well. GreatGlenTrails.com Joining us now via Zoom is Tim Smith, President and General Manager of Waterville Valley and his wife, Katie, Director of Accounting at the New Hampshire Resort. Welcome. Thank hey, you. Thanks for having us. Great. We're, we're awesome to talk about. Well, <laughs> this is a great start. It is great to talk about Waterville Valley, really a benchmark resort up 93 coming out of the Boston area. So obviously big news this year with your the debut of your new chairlift. Tell us what makes this lift so special in, in New England. Yeah, so we put in the uh, Tecumseh Express. It replaced the White Peaks Express quad that was there since 1990, since 1988, which was the first high-speed quad in New Hampshire. And we replaced it with the first bubble six-pack, and it's also the first MND Bartholet lift in North America. It's got Porsche-designed seats, super comfortable. It's a Swiss design, so it really runs well and has some really neat aspects to the machinery that you don't see on, on a lot of the other lifts out there right now. We also 
got really heavily into the design of the chairlift with the the engineering team at MND to make sure that we try to mitigate some of our wind issues that we have here. We're very aware that we have we have a chairlift on a ridgeline and it has a tendency to get hit by wind. So they designed it with really high tension, long lift spans so they could heavily load the shiv trains, wider rope gauge so that it has a little more more room to swing, and it's got very heavy carriers. And the carriers were actually put in wind tunnels and tested for us so we could we could see how well they performed in the wit in the wind, making it a little more wind resistant. It also has a Nedic electrical system on it, which is a it's kind of a lift nerdy thing for me, but it's a very high tech lift diagnostic system that tells us pretty much all the time what's happening with lift, warns us if there's any problems that are starting to arise. It's a really neat electrical system. We've got a multi-use garage on it so we can put the chairs away every night, but also the upstairs of that will serve as the future competition center for BBTS. It's also super fast, fast chairlift, matches the fastest chairlifts out there with at six meters per second. It's just about a five and a half minute lift ride up, up it. And and I'm happy to say this, and I just found this out last week, but we are the largest lift constructed in America this this year. So largest by vertical feet and by carrying capacity. Congratulations on that. We've had a lot of wind early season this year with these abnormal storms blowing through. How has it stood up to that? Well, at first, we're a little bit hesitant to it. I mean, it's a new lift. We don't know exactly what it's capable of. So we we kind of, the first day we got wind, we called wind hold. And we started testing and we're real pleased with the performance. It, it performed better than I had expected. And we're running with bubbles up right now because the bubble mechanisms for sh shutting the bubble, closing the bubbles, we're still working on the exact settings for the, each one of the bubbles for that. So we had the bubbles up, which is supposed to be the most, the, the worst scenario for the wind. And we were running just fine. We ran quite a few days in the wind. We haven't had I think that wind hold was the only one that we've had so far this year. And it's been performing really well. Can't wait to get the bubbles closed in, in between the lift riders. So the bubble closes automatically, but only when there isn't a person riding the lift. And then that will make it more aerodynamic. So if a person rides the chairlift, we're going to put a sign out that says we recommend closing the bubbles today to keep the speed up high. And then once we get that all into the right position, we're going to have some really great days of, of riding that lift real fast. But also when we get those those windy days, we can slow that lift down all the way down to a meter per second if we want to and adjust it so the wind doesn't have so much effect on the lift. It's a very versatile lift. It's pretty cool. Unreal. So this is obviously a big step in your 10-year master development plan. Where are we in terms of that sort of timeline and, and what's what's next down the road? Oh man, to, it, where are we in the timeline? I think that year one is always this year because I'm always planning at least 10 years in it into the future. But in the 10 year development plan that we put in with the White Mountain National Forest, that was about three years ago now. And we're right on pace with trying to get those those projects completed. It started back in, in 2000, 2016 when, or 2015 when we launched Green Peak. And then we went forward and did the master development plan and got into phase two, got all the snowmaking, the lifts, the base lodge improvements over the next two years, including the high country lift with the just T-bar and, and replacing the old J-bar that was for the beginners with conveyors. And then in 2019, we, we, we purchased all the land in town with, a, with a, another development company that we have like ownership with, with the Tyrell Group. And that's really where we started putting this 10-year development plan together with coordination with that development group so that we can make that interconnect of the mountain and the town. It's the one drawback of Waterville that we as owners, as the ownership group has identified is that we're not connected with the town through a chairlift. We connect through a bus, but it would be much more convenient and better for our guests if we had 
some sort of a lift there. So we have a development plan in place to hook that gondola up to the top of Green Peak. It would be a two-stage gondola with a new mid-station, really, really geared towards that leisure guest experience. That well. is absolutely awesome. The town has always been off to the side at Waterville, even from the days when I believe Tom Day had a bar down there at one point, didn't he? Yeah, he might. Yeah, I don't know exactly if he had the bar. I know Tom Corcoran had many bars down there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we used to go down there after events and have drinks all the time. So having that interconnectability between you and the mountain and the town will change the whole aspect of Waterville. Do you are you gonna try to make it that New England ski town type feel vibe? Yeah, absolutely. The development plans for the town really do they're gonna they're going to be working around that quaint New England feel like we have in Town Square now. With It's not going to be all big white buildings like we have in Town Square. I mean, the Golden Eagle is a big, different different colored building, but it all reflects kind of that New England vibe, that New England feel. Getting the camaraderie together, bringing a lot of social green space for us to throw the football with our kids or listen to a summer concert or during the winter have an outdoor ice skating rink. Those types of activities are really going to be the centerpiece of this new development. So it, it's it's great that a place with such a rich history like Waterville Valley is heading in a new direction on the precipice of, of just a, a amazing development for a new generation. And I wonder how does Waterville Valley embrace your legacy and your importance of your, of your history? How do you tie that into your resort's brand and celebrate yourself? What are we doing this weekend, Katie? <laughs> so we have a, there's a group in town that put together a Waterville Hall of Fame. And I think it's maybe the 10th year that we're hosting it. So we have a Hall of Fame dinner that recognizes all of the legends that have been within the town that helped the town and the mountain and create what we have today. So this Saturday, actually, we are celebrating three of those. Tom Barbeau, who is one of the leading people within the Waterville Valley Academy, top training guy that runs and coaches the top athletes there. Paul Fosey, who was a longtime ski instructor. ski instructor here at Waterville. We even have trails named after him, Fosey Folly. And then the third one is Tim Quinn, who is with Amiskeg Distribution, which is a beverage company. And Tim has been just a friend of all of the restaurants and the mountain for as long as he's been around, which is probably about 35 years. So we do that annually. That's put on through the Waterville Valley Hall of Fame Association. And then the other way that we really appreciate and respect our legends here is that every single trail at the mountain is named after someone or something that had to do with the creation of the town and the ski resort. Amazing. It is. Well, you guys have a huge legacy. I mean, you brought the U.S. Pro Tour back to your slopes a couple of years ago, I believe. Which is awesome because it's always a fun event to be at and see. Waterville's been on the world stage for an awful long time with World Cup races when Tomba was in town in Zurbergen. I'm dating myself a little bit here. But also with the mogul competitions. What are the plans to build on le that legacy? Yeah, I, we're incredibly lucky. We have a marketing manager, Jamie Cobbett, who's tied in really, really tight with all of the uh, promoters and organizers for all these types of events. We work closely with the U.S. ski team on hosting events here. We've hosted the Alpine National Championships a few years back. We're on the docket to do that again. We, we are hosting the Freestyle Nationals on Lower Bobbies again this year, which everybody loves that course. If you look at FIS standards for Moguls course, 
Lower Bobby's is exactly the pitch that they recommend. And it just makes an amazing experience. Plus it comes right into that sunny side area. And in the, in the March days when it's warm and you got all that sun shining down on it, it's just the perfect place for an event. But we've had the Rev Tour, anything we can do to really help the sport and bring that level of competition into our valley. We've produced some of the best athletes in the world. Hannah Carney has come out of here. The the entire snowboard legacy that we've had come out of this area here in Plymouth. I mean, we've just had incredible, incredible athletes. Of course, Wayne Wong and and that whole thing. So having that level of competition really fits into our into our brand of giving the the guests something to aspire towards. Our main brand here is we're a family ski resort. We're New Hampshire's family ski resort. And we want to give everybody that comes here that idea of, hey, one day that could be me on that center stage. Well, you just mentioned Hannah. So I just I want to ask about the Waterville Valley Academy, the relationship between the school and how has it left its mark on, on the mountain? So it's pretty cool. In 34 was when the Black and Blue Trail Smashers actually called Waterville home. It was way back then. That was when they first created the Mount Tacoma CCC Ski Trail, which is now Old T. It's our, it's our ski trail of old T. In 41, they brought in the first rope tow down there and they put it right across the street from where Katie and I live now. And it was an old truck that they got off of Betty Davis's farm, true story. And in 66, Tom Corcoran comes in and starts this whole, the, the whole new ski area. And he was a Olympic racer, right? So he had this, this passion for racing and he knew, and he told me in some of our, our time together that. He had this idea that he didn't want to mix that passion for the competition and the racing with the business. And that's why he really wanted to keep those two organizations separate. And I think that was one of the smartest decisions. It really makes for a really great organization between BBTS and Waterville Valley Resort using this as their home mountain and really having that symbiotic relationship. In 76, when they created the academy, really took that entire thing to the next level. This academy allows the kids to study, learn, and concentrate on their sport. We have a son actually right now that's going through the snowboard program and just loves the fact that he lives right across the street from an Olympic training center. I mean, the, the, the airbag jump that they have at the base of Snows Mountain, the trampolines they have, the, the dormitories brings a lot of kids and a lot of vibrance into the, into the community, makes it just a, a really great place for these athletes to, to work on a great mountain with great athletes and amazing coaches, it really sets a real real high level, real high bar for the skiers of this community. Amazing. You, you spoke about Tom. How is Tom's legacy still living on that? I'm looking at a picture of him right now on our last run and his first run on Green Peak. I have it in my office. I also have another quote from him that he gave to me, which says the ski business is an odd little segment of an industry that is better left to people who understand it who deeply care about it and who are willing to have a less productive bottom line than most other corporations will tolerate. Those are two things he left me with. A nice picture reminding me of all the great times that he spent on this mountain and the big smile he gave me when we got Green Peak done. And by always be concentrated on the business, make sure that we keep the business front and center. Otherwise we won't have any fun. His legacy runs super deep, super deep in the community, super deep in just me personally. And he's been a, he was a great mentor for many years for me. So Indy pass, is this your third year on the pass? What is this? He's three. I think three. Wow. Yeah. I it's three so, already. Yeah. What, what has that meant for you in terms of opening yourself up to a new audience and Waterville's never really been a, a slow place to go anyway. So have you ever had any, any overcrowding issues now that you have a whole new client base? Our, our mountain being developed by Sal Hanna and, and Tom Corcoran, they developed a mountain that really can 
handle a lot of people. Our comfortable carrying capacity is around 6,200. We rarely see anything over 4,000. Right. So we have very good comfortable carrying capacity. We also have a really nice mix of, of lifts with the new T-bar up top that does 700 feet per minute, the new chairlift at, at 1,200 or, or six meters per second. We have a lot of capacity and all of our other surface lifts really hit these specific areas where our athletes can train and our our guests can meet a, a different type of a, of a venue. So we spread our, our guests out really, really well. And then Green Peak was a massive part of that. Being a fixed grip, triple lift, it, it has over 230 people on the line at any one time. So it puts a lot of people over there. And then our tertiary lifts of our sunny side and our north side and putting a lot of people up there, we can just move a lot of people. So no, we don't really have any carrying, comfortable carrying capacity issues with IndyPass. Our numbers are, they are not what they used to be. We used to, back in the, in the nineties, they have records of 280,000 skier visits here. We're not doing 280,000 skier visits anymore. We're lucky if we're seeing 150. So we're skiing a lot less people than we were back in the day. So many people might remember of the late eighties, early nineties, this place being mobbed. It's not that way anymore. It's a much more relaxed, laid back feel. And our busy days really aren't all that busy. So we had plenty of capacity to take a, another segment like the IndyPass Pass holder on. And the IndyPass Pass holders are wonderful. I mean, they are just the coolest people. They love the sport. They want to experience a, a slightly different aspect of the sport coming to mountains like us and and Cannon and Pat's Peak and some of our other Indy Pass partners, Black, these great little air ski resorts where we're considered the big guy in the room, which is a really cool position for us. So we love the Indy Pass, love, the, love Doug Fish's whole idea behind it. It really, really fits directly into our brand. And that mixed with the Kids Ski Free Pass, where any adult, adult season pass that buys it here at, the, at Waterville, so a Waterville adult season pass comes with a free junior pass. And that free junior pass goes to anyone, goes to, goes to your next door neighbor, if you wanted to, or it goes to your, your, your grandchild, or it goes to your, your child. You can give it to anyone. We're really trying to increase the number of families that come to the ski resort and through the Indy pass and the kids ski free pass, it's definitely changed a lot of demographics here, which is awesome. Brings in a whole new segment of customers. It's great. I had a conversation today with somebody in regards to day pass costs, which have gone up exponentially. I think it was two sixty nine at Steamboat over Christmas week. Two sixty nine. I saw a two seventy five receipt for Vail. Two seventy five. <laughs> That's how how are you, how is Waterville growing the market? Because two seventy five doesn't grow the market and doesn't grow new skiers. No, but what it comes down to really is the way the purchase is happening, right? And it's all about advanced ticket sales. Having that dedicated purchase helps the skier. It helps this, the skier. If we can predict how many people are coming in a day, we can take our, our operation and either scale it down or scale it up. But if we don't have a prediction on what's happening that day, it really puts us in a risk of delivering a poor product, which then hurts everybody. So the advanced lift ticket sales, it wasn't a thing. 20 years ago, there, was, there wasn't advanced lift ticket sales unless you went with like a group product or a bus ski trip or something like that, which those were heavily discounted. So nowadays we have heavily discounted pricing. I, what is it? Tomorrow's like 60% off or something. If you were to buy a ticket. Oh, I think you can get it for about $80. $80 tomorrow where we're 116 at the window. I don't believe that we need to get into those crazy inflated prices like you see at the mega resorts. The mega resorts have the, have much more volatility 
in their day-to-day skiing. I lived in Vail. We actually met in Vail. We, we saw it. You, you, you hit a powder day. Everyone's coming up from Denver. And they have to do some crazy lift ticket prices at the window to make sure that they keep that volatility down. Otherwise, you end up with these crazy lift lines and really poor guest experiences for those ones who dedicated their money up front, who made their vacation plans, who are trying to get there on time, who are trying to have this great time. It's just something in the industry that we found is actually really beneficial for both the business and for the guest. Well, we need to get some inside tips at Waterville Valley to find out the places to go, the places to chase. So I want to ask the both of you, it's a powder day at Waterville. What's the best trail to see? <laughs> oh, come on, you powder skier, you. <laughs> I like to go on Gerber days. <laughs> Powder's not my friend. I will say, I, I'll throw it out there. If I can get first tracks, I'm going Lower Bobby's. Lower Bobby's got a 38% pitch over 1,200 feet long. It's insane. It's just a really consistent, great pitch. And there's actually a workaround right in the middle. And if you hit a preseason before it makes snow on it, which we've had half dozen of times since I've been here, you can catch some good air off of that workaround. So it's super fun, super fun run. Well, Katie, since you're not a powder skier and you and you met in Vail, <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> I was a rock climber. I was not a skier. <laughs> Well, what was the skiers? <laughs> yeah. And you I, bet. I lied. <laughs> well, what's your favorite trail, Katie, on the hill? Uh, my favorite trail is actually lower periphery. So you come around and you go through kind of the, the top of the, the blues and then you come down and you're coming into kind of the beginner area and you can just do these really beautiful, big, wide turns on a nice groomed trail. Awesome. Tim, what's your favorite trail? Is it still the same? Well, I would say I can't say a favorite trail. I'm going to go with favorite run because it encompasses multiple trails. So I'm going, I'm going high country, hassle side, which is far skiers, right? Big open, sweeping GS turns down through there. Then I'm cutting down into tangent just past the the T bar. Tangent's this really narrow, like cat and a half width wide, beautiful trail that really like you go down it and you just forget where you are. It's a really unique trail. Then I'm going into periphery, cutting across over into Preston's path with it's directly under the north side lift, always develops bumps and some kind of gnarly stuff in there, some rock drops, all that kind of fun stuff. Then I'm cutting right across Tippy and Tyler, going to Seagull Street, cutting into Cell's Choice. There's just a really organic run there where it's all bumps and comes down into a lower periphery where I can then cut some <laughs> nice trails down there. So I, I like the top to bottom run and, and I, that's one of my favorite runs to do. I do it pretty much every morning. Well, after the day's done, what's the go-to opera? Where are we going to get the best drinks? Freestyle. Freestyle? Freestyle. Well, I mean, freestyle is going to be your party, right? That's mm-hmm. where we're going to have the live music. That's where we're going to be. Yeah, it's going to be the most lively. But T-bars is definitely, I mean, if I'm going to go with a friend and I want to chill and just have a conversation and talk about the day skiing, I'm going over to T-bars. Yeah, it's quiet. You can hold a conversation. Yeah, Absolutely. And what's a restaurant that may not get all the headlines? I'm going with La Hacienda. In town? Yeah. Oh, yes. Because that's where we normally I'll hang out. Eat all the time. Yeah. Yes. It's a it's a Mexican restaurant that is above the town square. It's got a great view of the town and the, and the pond. It's a great spot to watch the fireworks. They have a jukebox up there that I like to take control over and play 80s rap music, which is always kind of fun. Yeah, they, <laughs> they have a game room right off the bar. So you as parents can sit at the bar and the kids can play pool in the games and you can just watch them. <laughs> you know, it's a great spot. Well, we ask this question on every show. We need... From both of you, 
in three words, how would you describe the Waterville vibe? Me first. Yeah, go for it. Well, we live in town. So I think that or we live where we play. So I think that would be different for other people that don't live here. But mine would be community, caring, and family. I'm going with family also. It just the whole place feels like a family, whether it's the community, the the team members that I work with, the whole place feels like family. And then friendly. I think everyone's super, super friendly and of course fun. The valley is just fun. That's so I have three three Fs. <laughs> Love it. Can't give one sometimes, right? Right. Anything, any, what's what's on the agenda this year at Waterville Valley? Any special events coming up? But what should we look forward to? Well, of course, the Freestyle Nationals in March is going to be huge. We're going to have the best freestyle skiers in the nation coming here. And that's the biggest event of the season. We have our food truck out there. We're going to be doing the judging off the top. We're going to have the music playing, the, the food getting served. It'll be a really big event. That's That's one of the biggest events in this area. So I'm looking forward to that. Of course, you have your last pond luau at the end of the year. I pride myself in my pond skims. I love making good pond skims. Our team really gets in there and we make a beautiful pond skim, have live music out there on the truck. It's just really fun. So yeah, lots of great things coming up. Of course, you got MLK, President's Week. You got hopefully some big dump and snow, dump snowstorms here sooner or later. We had that 24 inches just a couple of weeks ago. Yep. That was insane. We skied the entire front side of our mountain. It was absolutely bonkers. Too bad we lost it, but we won't <laughs> talk about that. Yeah, us in the ski industry, we have a great short, a really good, good ability to lose our short-term memory. So we don't remember those bad days. We only remember the good ones. But yeah, that's we're looking forward to a whole, whole, whole slew of activity this season, and then of course the summer season and just chilling, chilling up by the pond in the summer. It's a great spot to be all year round. Excellent. Well, it's, I mean, it's. A, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's fantastic. Well, as an Indy Pass holder, I will be up to see you, and I'm going to grab you both out of the office on a powder day. And we're gonna go make some turns. <laughs> and awesome. and and Katie, if you want to do some top roping, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Good deal. Tim Smith. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say pleasure talking to you guys. Thank you guys for your time. Thank you guys. Tim Smith and Katie Smith with us on the Base Camp podcast. Thank you both for joining us. It was a fantastic conversation and can't wait to get to Waterville. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast will return after this. If you want to be inspired and informed on everything about the New England ski and outdoor scene, then you need to check out SkiJournal.com. SkiJournal.com delivers daily content on breaking industry news, tips, gear, dining, travel, entertainment, as well as all archived episodes of the Emmy-nominated New England Ski Journal TV show and the Basecamp podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to New England Ski Journal the longest-running regional ski magazine in the country. New England Ski Journal's award-winning writers and photographers bring all four seasons to your door with best-in-class coverage on skiing and the outdoors. Log on to SkiJournal.com and click on the subscribe button to get New England Ski Journal mailed to you today. New England Ski Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative insightful and now back to the base camp podcast well eric <laughs> tim is such an optimist uh, every every time i'm around him i'm just i'm stoked because he's joneses for skiing and being in the ski industry that was a tremendous conversation and, and i mean tim knows so much about waterville it was it was fantastic to have him on 
And hearing about just the development that they're doing there, how this is going to make this such a, a, a new destination is pretty fascinating to me. And I'm, I'm a history geek. So the fact that, that Waterville has all this history just there, right? This is the place where this all happened. This is the place where this began. And Tom Cochran's legacy just makes Waterville Valley one of those places that is, it's an iconic mountain, not for what it is, even though it is for what it is, right? It's it's iconic because of what it was and what it gave us. It's iconic today because it's just a great place to ski and it's got a real exciting future. It has an incredible future ahead. There's vision now. Waterville has given the whole ski industry from freestyle skiing to being one of the original NASTAR uh, participants to bringing World Cup to bringing freestyle. It really has created such an aura about it. And listening to Tim, where skier visits used to be to where they are now, maybe Waterville hasn't grown as much as a Bretton Woods or a Loon over the last few years. But I think it skis as well as any of them. What's your favorite trail there? What's my favorite trail? I think being on the sunny side in springtime, you got to be there in springtime when it's when the bumps are soft. That's where I want to be. You mentioned off air, we were talking about the Schwendi Hut, and you were talking about a certain cuisine that they were known for. What was that? Well, the Schwendi Hut, we used to... I used to ski out of Waterville an awful lot because it was close and easy to get to. Plus, there were a lot of events up there we were involved in. I'm going to give this to Tim when he hears this podcast. There used to be something called a lobster bisque up there, which was incredible. Some of the best I've ever had. Tim, can we have that lobster bisque back so it's not on the menu anymore? It's not on the menu. Oh, okay. Then yeah, this, is, this is a call for help. This is a call for help. For my next trip up there, even if you just get it up there when I'm there. Okay, you've heard it. Mike has a has a request. He has a a demand. I will I will even go so far as to say, please get the lobster bisque back. Sunnyside is my favorite too. I love going over there and just kind of playing around, especially in the springtime. I, the last time I was there, actually, I, I took my two sons and it was, I think, 65 degrees and they hated me. <laughs> but boy, did I have a fantastic time. A, a great spring spot there because the, 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 I mean, sunny side, duh. The sun hits over there and it's just, that's one of the better spring areas to be. So when the sun's shining, the temp is climbing and you're looking for an easy place to go, Waterville Valley. I don't know. I don't know if they do. They still do April Fool's Day there anymore. Ooh, I don't know. We should have asked him that. We should have asked that. April Fool's Day in the past used to be that you could buy a lift ticket for the great price of one dollar. I doubt they do that anymore because that was a a pretty good special, and I'm just not sure if if that happens anymore. Well, if you haven't been to Waterville lately. I challenge everybody to get up there because they're doing some awesome things. The new lift is fantastic. Loon put in a lift last year, which I had the chance to ride the first day it opened. Waterville, it was about a week after it opened that I got on it. These new lifts, these new bubble lifts are fun to ride. They're comfortable. And we heard it from Tim, which I am extremely excited about, that 
wind hold is not an issue now because it always used to be up there. And uh, I just want to let you know, I've used my journalistic skills to find something out. It does not look like they offer it anymore because the calendar is blank on Waterville's website. So does not look like that looks like that's a thing of the past. The $1 April Fool's Day was always a fun time to go, but you know, sadly, no longer. Mike, it was a pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Eric, it's always fun to talk about skiing, especially about someplace like Waterville Valley that really has given so much to the New England ski world. Yep, it has. And, and check out that documentary. It's a lot of fun to watch and it has some great history, including at Waterville Valley. That's it for us. I'm Eric Wilbur, editor of New England Ski Journal. We will see you on the next podcast. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp is a Siemens Media podcast. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful. Hey.